Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Hey, learn about upcoming events, our podcast, daily devotional, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 about our spiritual father and what you mean to him. verse 15 for 1 Corinthians 4 15 for if you were to have countless tutors in Christ yet you would not have many fathers for in Christ Jesus I became your father notice through the gospel see the word tutor there that's pedagogue that's in the ancient world a pedagogue was a servant of a master who watched over a boy really from the time he left the house he couldn't leave without the pedagogue And the pedagogue would walk him to school and try to keep him out of trouble. How many of you wish you had a pedagogue when you were younger, right? And and they they found on Greek vases, they found in archaeological digs, the uh, pedagogue pictured as a kind of a weird-looking person who carried a stick around and was always, you know, trying to beat you into submission, if you will. Trying to protect you from doing the wrong thing. So you could have many disciplinarians who would berate you with shaming tactics, but you only have one father, says Paul. I'm your father in the gospel. I came to Corinth, I preached, you got saved, and this is who I am. You may have many people who become your pedagogues or try to guide you, but you only have one father. Paul's saying, I'm the founder of the church, so he's not trying to pull rank here, but he's just saying, it would be good if you listened to me since you became a Christian through my ministry. And so then Paul says something that a lot of people think is a bit boastful. I I think not. 16, he says, I exhort you, therefore, be imitators of me. I wrote in my notes, could I say that? Could I say to someone, just imitate my Christian life. Follow me around for a week. (laughs) Some of you are going, no, no. Maybe a couple hours on a Sunday, but not all week. What would it look like If you said to someone, just imitate me, just follow me around for the next week, the the week to come, watch me as I study my Bible and pray, share my faith, go to different Bible studies, pour into the lives of other people. Does that frighten you, that concept? Just imitate me. Some of you have done some coaching. You know that one of the things that you do with players is you show them. So you might be coaching a football team and you'll show them a proper stance. You might be trying to teach a golf swing and you could, I, I had a guy trying to teach me how to swing a golf club, and he was unsuccessful. <laughs> but anyway, he was left-handed, and I'm right-handed. We stood opposite each other, and he was showing me how to fix some problems in my golf swing. I coached a lot of baseball, and I would show the kids how to get down and, you know, kind of get their glove down. And we would say, now make the alligator mouth. Do the alligator so the ball can come in the alligator mouth. And they would say, alligator, Coach Michael, alligator. Yeah, do the alligator, man. (laughs) See, coaches would naturally say, watch me. Imitate me. Do you you have some people in your life who are imitating you? Watching you? Oh, they do, for good or for ill. Little kids are famous for uh, saying stuff in the middle of a store or something that you said at home and... They repeat it. <laughs> no, 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 don't say that in public. Why not, Daddy? You said it. 
A man and his young son were climbing a mountain. They came to a place where the climbing was difficult and even dangerous. The father stopped to consider which way he should go. He heard his boy behind him saying, Choose a good path, Dad. I'm coming right behind you. Children have a way of imitating their parents either for good or for ill. Researchers tell us that teenagers learn to drink at home and not from their peers. But my guess is that other bad habits happen the same way. Sometimes you hear the mouth of a little kid and you're like, where did they get that? It's usually not hard to figure out. Unlike our modern Western culture, however, in every other pre-industrial culture and many non-Western cultures today, it's expected for a child to imitate the father in the sense that the child would essentially adopt the father's vocation. So for instance, says one writer, if the father were a baker, the child would be a baker. If the father were a sheep herder, the child would become a sheep herder. So a much stronger authoritative picture is being communicated by this analogy. Paul is saying, follow me as I follow Christ, which he will say later. In Hebrews 13.7, it says, Remember those who led you, who spoke the word of God to you, and considering the result of their conduct, imitate their faith. Be imitators of me as I imitate Christ. There's such a thing as we might say a holy copycat. When we follow our Father, we are doing the right thing. This is a conclusion of an earlier thing that I quoted, but it's this. He says, when we accept legitimate authority, we can stop playing God. We are free to give up the burden of both chasing and running from authority. Once we stop playing God, we can start playing God in the proper sense. We get to be imitators of Christ, seeking to cultivate culture and help humanity flourish, close quote. You get the point? Once we stop playing God in the sense that we want to control everything, we can start imitating our Father. We can become what we were meant to be. That's what God wants for you. He wants you to have an abundant life to become what you were meant to be. And so for this reason, Paul says, I've sent to you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child, 17, in the Lord. He will remind you of my ways. It would seem that Paul had already dispatched him, which are in Christ just as I teach everywhere in every church. Paul had Timothy, a wonderful protege in the faith, and he could send Timothy and know that Timothy would represent him well. Now, some have become arrogant, verse 18, that is in the Corinthian church, as though I were not coming to you. Some were piously defiant. He won't visit our city again. Paul's all talk. He's not coming back here. Oh, he came once, <laughs> and he's coming again. Daddy is coming home soon. Better make sure you made your bed. <laughs> Better make sure things are in order in your room. I love the story of the mother who had a particularly trying day with her young son. Finally, she flung up her hands and shouted, all right, Billy, do anything you darn well please. Now let me see you disobey that one. <laughs> do anything you want. <laughs> Yes, we have to balance love and discipline, don't we? As parents, as spiritual parents, can I ask you, do you have any spiritual children right now? Can I ask you maybe a penetrating question? When's the last time you led someone to Christ and who are you discipling right now? 
Every healthy church should have spiritual parents and spiritual babies. Amen? If our church growth is all about transfer from other churches, and we're not winning people to the Lord and discipling them, then we're missing a big part of what the church should be doing. I'm very excited about our evangelism team because they report consistently seven to ten people getting saved every week at the Tyler Mall, at the crossings, at the library, in the neighborhoods. I'm excited about our missionaries who are out on the front lines. I'm excited about those of you who go into the prisons and those of you who are sharing with family and sharing at your school. This is what we should be doing. And so Paul says, but I will come to you soon for those of you who think I won't. And soon could be relative because he does say other, in other places he's going to wait, I think, till after Pentecost. But Paul always says, if the Lord wills, I, I'll come and I'll find out not the words of those who are arrogant, but their power. See the word arrogant there? That is fusiao in Greek, and it means to blow up or to swell up the head. Some people were so puffed up in their arrogance, they couldn't fit through the door anymore. You know some people like that? People like that, it's not hard to burst their bubble. Just one little pinprick. <laughs> now the opponents were accusing Paul of all, uh, all kinds of things. Oh, he has no power. He's not very impressive looking. He, he's really nothing. Paul said, well, they talk a good game, but when I get into town, we'll find out what kind of power they have. For the kingdom of God does not consist in words, verse 20, but in what? In dunamis power. It's not if someone's funny or a good communicator. It's whether or not the Word of God has been embedded into our soul with a sense of the power of the Spirit. It's not whether we've been entertained or satisfied or pleased. It's whether or not the power of God has gone from the Word of God into my life to bring transformation to who I am, to my family, to my spheres of influence for the glory of God. That's the question that we're wrestling with. Not a form of godliness, but those who deny the power thereof, but the question of power, the power of the Holy Spirit. You know, Spurgeon and others said if the Holy Spirit was taken out of the church, I wonder if anybody would notice. It's a good question. Because in some ways, with humanism and man's programs, we have decided that maybe we don't even need the power of the Holy Spirit. I beg to differ. Because you could have something that's numerically successful, but is empty and bankrupt. And so Paul says, we'll find out. We'll find out if they talk a good game or if they actually have power. Reading from my notes, Paul says, Paul's concerned about the kingdom of God. What is all of this doing for the kingdom of God? This is a good question to ask in churches. Paul would say, I'm willing to live in what they perceive as weakness if the kingdom of God is extended. The power of the Spirit works through weakness. People know what they ought to do. The trouble is that knowing the good, they often do the evil. They need God's power. I need God's power to enable me to do things that befit His kingdom. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. 
You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Hey, Shane Lance here, and I wanted to take a quick moment and encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called A Step Closer. This is a quick read from scripture with a little bit of commentary, and it's a great way to keep you growing in your walk with the Lord. In our crazy society right now, with all the things we jam-pack into our schedule, I'll be the first to admit that sometimes it's hard to find time to study God's Word. But it is so important as we grow in our relationship with the Lord to study His Word. It's such a vital aspect to our walk. You can text "step closer" as one word to 33222. Again, that's "step closer" as one word to 33222. We really believe here at Walk in Truth that this can be a great instrument in helping you grow in your relationship with the Lord. So once again, we'd encourage you to subscribe to our devotional called "A Step Closer," and you can text "step closer" as one word to 33222. Make sure you subscribe to the Walk in Truth podcast, available on your favorite podcast app. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. You know, Spurgeon and others said, if the Holy Spirit was taken out of the church, I wonder if anybody would notice. It's a good question. Because in some ways, with humanism and man's programs, we have decided that maybe we don't even need the power of the Holy Spirit. I beg to differ. Because you could have something that's numerically successful, but is empty and bankrupt. So Paul says, we'll find out. We'll find out if they talk a good game or if they actually have power. Reading from my notes, Paul says, Paul's concerned about the kingdom of God. What is all of this doing for the kingdom of God? This is a good question to ask in churches. Paul would say, I'm willing to live in what they perceive as weakness if the kingdom of God is extended. The power of the Spirit works through weakness. People know what they ought to do. The trouble is that knowing the good, they often do the evil. They need God's power. I need God's power to enable me to do things that befit His kingdom. There's probably, says one writer, an intentional contrast with the claims of the Corinthians. But Paul says, look, this is about the kingdom. And so he closes. 21. What do you desire? Shall I come with a rod or with love and a spirit of gentleness? The question is not whether Paul will come, but how he will come. How many of you remember this? Just wait until your father gets home. As a little kid, just wait. Or maybe some of you husbands have received this phone call from your wife. Get home now. Why? Why, dear? Because these children need to be destroyed by you. (laughs) Buy a rod on your way home. One with jagged edges, preferably. Because if you don't come home in the next half an hour, I am heading for the hills. And good luck to you and to them. (laughs) 
right? That's when you know. You got to tell your boss, can I have an extended lunch today? Why? Well, my wife's not in a good place. And I'm going to go and beat my children. <laughs> sure, take as much time as you need. <laughs> have you ever looked at a child in a moment of discipline and said something like this? Okay, son, daughter, which way would you like this to go? Would you like the rod of correction applied to the seat of understanding? <laughs> or <laughs> could we just have you own what happened here? Take a little responsibility. Stop blaming your six-month-old brother. <laughs> He did it! He unscrewed the light bulb! But he's six months old, he can't even move from the thing! I know, but he still did it! It was a miracle! He floated out of it! <laughs> See, I do believe in miracles, Dad! I'm listening in Sunday school! The miracle is sometimes when a child is honest, right? And they just say, Okay, Dad, here's what happened. Yes, we were playing football in the living room again. <laughs> yes, I threw the pass that broke the light. That... What do you do then? I'm going to beat you anyway. <laughs> no, you kind of just say, okay. Well, clean it up and let's move on. Right? See, a lot of times, if not every time, we can decide which way it goes with God. Right? If we discipline ourselves, we won't be discipline. It's not like God just enjoys that part, but he knows if he needs to discipline us, it will be, it will yield something. But Paul said, I'd rather come if Paul had his, if you had your choice, verse 21, what would you want to do? Let's say that you're the spiritual dad. What would you want to do? You'd want to come with love. These are people that you planted a church in a city. You want them to flourish. You want them to be blessed, but you're willing to warn and protect them for the sake of the kingdom. And I think that's the balance that we find in the text before us. Father, thank you for your word. It's a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Thank you that I have a spiritual father. Thank you that, God, you reached down when I was broken, without hope, without God in my life. And you said, Michael, I love you. And even in all the brokenness that you've experienced and the mistakes that you've made, I have always loved you. Now, dear one, if you're a Christian or not a Christian, can you hear those words for yourself? God so loved you that he sent his son. The ultimate, ultimate authority of the universe, Jesus, who came in human flesh, gave up his rights at the cross put aside the prerogatives of deity, took the punishment of the cross, the terrible weight of the sins of humanity, took the wrath of the Father in our place, though He was completely innocent. That's how much you are loved. The one who spoke the universe into existence did not revile when He was reviled. He took it so that you might live, so that you could have hope, so that you would know that there's a God who, though he knows everything about you, 
has never given up on you. Do you know Him? Have you been born again to that living hope? Have you experienced what it means to be born again of the Holy Spirit? Just keep your head and heart bowed. If, you, if you've not met Christ, if you don't know that love and that purpose, if you've been running roughshod and your life's a mess, or maybe things are in order to everyone else, but inside you feel empty. He wants to come and live in you. He wants you to be reestablished, reconnected with the God who made you. He wants to restore fellowship and forgive your sin and heal you. But you must say yes. You must invite Him in. So something like this. Right now, don't let this moment pass you by. Lord Jesus, please come into my life. Pray it if it's you. Thank you that you came to this world to save me. Thank you that you loved me so much that you took the punishment. Not only were you beaten, but you were crucified. Thank you that you did that for me. I believe you died on that cross for my sin. Pray it if it's you. I believe that you defeated death that so scares and frightens me, Lord. I put my trust in you. If you've been a prodigal and you've been running from God, maybe something very similar. I, I recommit my life to you, Lord. And if you're on the other side and maybe you've been someone who's been discipling others and maybe you're a bit poured out, maybe you're a bit frustrated, keep fighting the good fight. Keep pouring into people's lives. We're all broken at one level or another, but don't give up if you have someone that you've been discipling or loving through difficulty. Just keep doing it by God's grace. Father, we thank you so much that you are so faithful through thick and thin, ups and downs, things that we can't even sometimes fathom or explain. You are faithful. And we look to the cross, to the resurrection, and to a second coming of Jesus when all of this stuff will be made right. I pray for this fellowship. I pray for all of us that you'll keep us strong. You'll keep us uh, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that not one thing we do for you is ever in vain. We love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and that was the conclusion of Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 4 called A Spiritual Father. Hey, just a reminder, we archive our radio teachings on our website, walkintruth.com, and we also podcast the program for free. Search Walk in Truth on your favorite podcast app like iPodcast, Apple Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and pretty much every other one. So go listen to any teaching you missed in this series and any other series we've done. Now, here's Pastor Michael with a final thought. You know, one of the images that the Bible paints of our relationship with God is that God is our Father. And that can bring great things to your heart if you had a good father or have a good father. Uh, or it could bring some kind of uncertain and negative thoughts to some of you. What is this idea of a spiritual father? Well, Paul said he was a spiritual father to the Corinthians. And a couple of application points. Number one, are you mentoring someone? Are you a spiritual father to someone right now, a Christian that's coming up? Pray. Uh, God will oftentimes bring someone in your path that you know needs to be discipled. 
And this is one of the great ways to invest in your Christian life. Hey, meet him for coffee. If once a month, twice a month, just get it going. Uh, open a passage and just encourage them. Talk about life. Talk about spiritual things. Have some good soul-to-soul time. You know, God is our Father. And as our Father, sometimes He disciplines us. But you know what? The biggest theme that we need to understand with the fatherhood of God is that He's adopted us, that He loves us, that He's for us and not against us. So don't immediately go to the discipline thing, even though that is there. But even God's discipline is from a loving motive. Uh, for our best to protect us. And so this is the the great news of a spiritual father, our father in heaven, and having a good spiritual father or mentor in your life. If you don't have one, seek one out. Maybe there's a brother or sister in your church a little ahead of you. You respect them. You might ask them, hey, would you mind mentoring me, discipling me? I'm sure they would be happy to do so. Speaking of discipline, our next message in Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, is going to be called the shepherd's discipline in 1 Corinthians 5. And we're going to have some of these themes about the discipline of God. But remember, what God does, he does because he loves us. And what a shepherd does, he does because he loves the sheep. That's next time on Walk in Truth. Hey, tell a friend about what you're hearing on the program. Keep us in prayer. Support us if you can. You can find out all the information, find out more about the program at walkintruth.com. That's walkintruth.com. God bless you. We'll talk to you soon. Tune in tomorrow for Pastor Michael's teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 5 about discipline and why it's important to your spiritual growth. I'm Mike Massaro. Hey, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. And as always, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people.